Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Book Journeys Radio, an interview series for authors in transformation. From the basic fundamentals of selecting a book topic and overcoming writer's block to advanced techniques for publishing and marketing your books. Don't forget to check out our complete schedule and archive shows at blogtalkradio.com forward slash book dash journeys. Now, get ready to make a difference with your book with your host, founder of the author incubator, Dr. Angela Loria. Hey everybody, welcome back to Book Journeys Radio. It's always so good to be with you guys here. And I'm getting ready for a trip to Miami. Um, so I'm all packed up with clothes for warm weather and very excited about that. Um, and hopefully I will be meeting lots of authors in transformation when I'm there. Um, if you are listening to the show, most likely there is a book in your heart you have been thinking about writing a book, maybe you have even started to write one in the past and haven't been able to finish. And every week on the show, we talk to another author who has crossed that threshold uh, and who has uh, what, what Seth Godin calls shift, who has gotten their book off of their chest, out of their head, and into readers' hands. And in that regard, today's show is no different, but... We almost always talk to nonfiction writers here. Um, and so today I have a special treat. Nicole Pouchet is the author of uh, a fictional book series, the Elemental Myth series. And she's going to talk to us. I think you'll see there's lots of similarities with nonfiction books, but some differences too. So, Nicole, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Yay. So I know the Elemental Myth series has three books in it. Why don't you tell us about the series and um, and a little bit more about the books that are out there? Sure. Okay. So Elemental Myths um, follows a series of women as they find out that they have Incan powers and that they are the reincarnation of Incan goddesses. Um, the, most of the books are set in contemporary times, and they go through and discover who their mates are. These are romance novels, so there's always a, a romance and, and relationships involved as well. And then figure out how they're going to save the world from horrible things coming down their pathway um, as, as the Incan goddesses. Well, I'm, all, I'm a fan of saving the world, so that's fantastic. And then... Can you tell us the names of the books that are out there and they're on Amazon if people want to go find them? Sure. They are definitely on Amazon. And book one is called Seba's Grace, which is C-E-I-B-A, Seba's Grace. Um, And that one is actually based in ancient times. It's the goddesses as they they started to become um, one with human beings um, and use them as their vessels. Book two is called Layla's Gale. Um, and it is about an actress who discovers that she's in the, the incarnation of an Incan goddess as well, and it's set in modern-day Washington, D.C. And book three is what we're going to talk about today, hopefully, which is um, also set in D.C., and it's called Annie's Defiant, and it's about a lawyer who finds out that um, she's got some supernatural powers of her own as well and has to figure out what to do with herself and her new powers. I love it. That's awesome. I especially love that these are set in Washington, D.C., since that's where I live. So, yay yeah. for D.C. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's talk about um, the series, just the concept of a series. 
when you got the idea for this book, did you know it would be a series or has it sort of grown naturally on its own? I definitely knew it was going to be a series. Um, Each one of these goddesses gets a power, an elemental power. That's why the series is called Elemental Myths. Um, So they have powers of the wind, powers of fire, um, powers of water, and powers of earth. Um, So because there's those four different ones, there's definitely, um, it lends itself to becoming a series. I got it. And so for you, um, working on this series, um, I I always think a series is interesting because you change and grow as you're writing these books. So now that you're on, uh, you've written number three, knowing you, I bet you're already writing number four. Um, So now that you're like into this process, um, I'm just wondering, is there anything that you wish you knew at the beginning of the series are there things that you've learned uh, that maybe you would do differently if you had to do it all over again? Well, um, of course our writing changes. Um, so sometimes I'll read back to the first book and cringe a little bit about something or other that I wrote. Um, but I think the thing that I would do over again if I could is my numbering system. Um, I had a publisher to begin with um, who told me that I should not go with book 0.5 for my prequel. I should just call it number one. And that has that was really good advice that I didn't listen to. And so um, that was something that I would do over again and have actually done over again and renumbered them the way that they should be at this point. And the what, first book should the, always be number one. <laughs> why? What, like, what's the thing that happened or how did you learn that? Tell us the story. Well, what happened with me is that I am I, I am on Amazon and Amazon does not recognize um, fractions of a number in series. So they will automatically turn, set that, that book that you call .5 or 3.5 or whatever, they're going to set it to the next number in the series starting with one. So I've got a cover that says .5, but the book was that should actually be called .1, and Amazon is listing it as a .1. So mm. I had to make sure that the covers were redone and do everything that, the right way after I should have just listened to my, my publisher. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's talk a little bit about how you got this idea. How did you pick a topic, and was it hard for you to focus, or how did this come about? Um, well, for me, I am writing fiction, so really it's it's a lot of things that are just in my head. Um, and so I have to write outlines. Once I have an idea, I literally will sit and I journal almost daily, so I'll create a whole story in a journal and then go back and do something that makes sense in terms of outlining the story. Um, I've got five books published at this point, and so it's no longer a magical, oh, yay, I'm just throwing things at the wall and hoping it sticks kind of thing. It's definitely outlined and formulaic for me, if that answers your question. It does, but here's what I'm curious about. You said it's fiction, and so these things were just in your head, but are you an Incan history buff? Do you know a lot about Incan folklore? (laughs) (laughs) I am now. (laughs) And as you know, I um, (laughs) Google is my friend. I really do Google a lot and um, find out a lot about what people who know more than me uh, about Incan folklore and read books on that kind of thing. So um, even with fiction, it's got to be based in some kind of of, um, reality. Even when you're creating all new 
world, sometimes you want to make sure that, um, like, llamas were the pack animal 10,000 years ago. That became a thing from book number one. Um, It's still based in some kind of um, reality. So I do a lot of research in that. And so how did you um, how did you come up with the idea to put it there? Because I think you had sort of an interesting story I wanted to talk about. You were writing about something maybe a little bit more or less trendy. Absolutely. I was writing about Mayan mythology first, um, and I submitted my book to the Amazon Breakthrough Novel Contest, and the whole book was about Mayan mythology instead of Incan mythology, and they said that they thought that the Mayan mythology had already been come and gone with 2012 and that no one would be interested in that anymore. Um, so though they liked the story, and I actually ultimately won um, second prize um, through that contest, they still I still decided to switch it to Incan mythology so that it would be a little bit more accessible based on their ideas for that. Um, so just thinking about the my the whole is the world going to end back in 2011 is what actually made me think about this and and go and do some research on what was going on Mayan mythology and that kind of thing. So that's where the whole idea came about anyway is what if the world doesn't end and what if there are people who are tasked with keeping the world safe from that kind of thing. Yeah. And I like that it would be women that would be tasked with this. Oh, absolutely. I am a feminist. I'm a feminist romance novelist, so. Love it. Okay, so tell us, Annie Science is your newest book, um, and I know she's a lawyer. You want to tell us a little bit more about that that book and how you came up with the concept for it? Absolutely. Um, Annie is actually the roommate of Layla from book two. So Annie shows up in book two quite a bit, um, and she ends up, getting some powers during book two that she struggles with during book three. So she's got some powers to teleport um, herself from place to place by book three, and she has no idea how to handle these things and meets two different men and is completely wary of them based on what happened um, to the character and to the main character in book two. So she's struggling with powers, struggling with being a lawyer, um, and struggling with whether or not she can trust either of these two men in her life. And that is the basic setup for Annie's defiance and her defiance of logic. And did you had you already know the rest of the series? Like, did you go into the process of writing the series knowing all of the stories, or do they, do they talk to you? Do they tell you what to write about? They definitely talk to me. I have had problems where um, I haven't been able to move forward because a character I've written an outline that doesn't make sense for the character. Um, so they talk to me, and even if I do come up with the entire series arc, which I have done, um, the series changes as I go along. So it's a fluid document. It's a fluid process for me. Wow, okay. Um just sticking with the writing process for a little bit, can you tell us what your what's your writing schedule like? I know you write fiction and you have a full-time job. So how and when do you write and for how long and where? Okay, sure. Um, I, have, I have a day that I consider a writing day. Um, so I own a business, so I can set my schedule a little bit, but... Um, as, as business owners will know, actually, I work more hours than, than the 40, regular 40-hour-a-week 40 job. 
So I will either write early in the morning. Um, I wrote all of book one, actually, when I had a little bit of insomnia from four to six in the morning um, (laughs) over a three-month period. Uh, Book two, I wrote um, basically any time I had time to write. I take one afternoon or one evening away from my family and go write somewhere in a coffee shop. Um, On the weekends when my children are watching TV or something, I sit down and I write during that time. Um, during some periods of time, I will write for the first hour of my day. Just making sure that I have something consistent, that I know that I'll get at least five to ten hours of writing in a week is what keeps my my writing going. Hmm. Amazing. And do you run into writer's block? And if so, what do you do about it? I absolutely do. I run into writer's block. There's two different things that I do. Um, sometimes I'll just put the pen to the paper and keep on writing, and it can literally be I have no idea what I'm writing, I've got no no clue here, Um, and I just keep writing words until I finally get back to the story and start writing out what it is that's wrong right now. Because for me, it's not necessarily that I have nothing to write. It's that whatever it is I'm planning on writing doesn't work for my characters. Um, So... I've, oh, wait, say more about that. I want to understand that a little more. Sure. So um, I have written, I will write an entire outline, as I mentioned, and so I'll have like three sentences per chapter so I know basically what's going to happen in that chapter and what people are going to be thinking and doing. Um, I'll sit down to write a chapter, and then a whole day will go by, and I haven't written anything. So the next day I sit down, and I realize I really have nothing to write because Whatever it is I decided that character should do doesn't really work for that character. It doesn't fit their motivation. It doesn't fit whatever it is that I've decided Mm. that character is going to be. What I've got outlined for them doesn't flow and isn't working because it's just not authentic to that character. And it's not authentic to the story. So for me, I, I have to really realize that that was either lazy lazy outlining or, you know, I'm trying to get character A to do action B just because I want to get them to point C, but that's just not going to work, so I have to go back and figure something else out. So yeah. that's, that's what I realize my writer's block is at this point because I can't, I'm not getting it done correctly. And I've written memoir, so I've written nonfiction as well, and the same thing is the problem. Um if I'm if I can't write it, of course I can't change. I couldn't change my own story, but I could definitely could change my approach to it because it wasn't working for the memoir. Hmm. Very interesting. And do you find um, do you find that, uh, that like a change of scenery helps? Like, do you find that there's anything about your place or the time of day? Like you mentioned that you wrote a lot between four and six a.m. Um, but are there certain things that you need to have in place to be able to write, or can you write anywhere? Um, well, I wouldn't say that I'm kind of minimalistic. I'm one of those crazy people that writes longhand first, so I need to have oh, a little wow. book and a pen. Oh, wow, I did not know that about you. <laughs> yeah, I write everything uh-huh. longhand first. And so then when you I- retype it, do you find you're making changes? Absolutely. So that's my first edit. So when I type it into my laptop, that's the first edit. So by the time it goes to an editor, it's already been, you know, written the first draft. It's already been second draft by the time it's in my computer. Huh. Fascinating. And so, I mean. Yeah, go ahead. 
I was going to say, I've thought about like hiring a typist or someone to type it, but then I lose that second draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are some of the things that you um, that you look for in an editor? Have you had any like good or bad experiences with editors, and can you give people advice on how to find someone to work with? Um, sure. I think that for me, I have worked with um, several different editors at this point um, with two different publishers, and then the, what my favorite is the one that I found on my own. Um, what I did was I read, I read a lot of paranormal romance because I write a lot of paranormal romance, and I looked in the backs of the books. And I literally went to some of my favorite books and figured out who the, the authors were thanking as their editors, and I contacted those editors to find the one that I use right now on a personal basis. I love it. So, so and she's great because she's obviously got experience writing success or editing excess, successful romance novels. So. Hmm. And what are if you were giving somebody advice? Would you recommend they do the thing? Like, did you? How did you know she would be a good fit for you? Um, I tried her out. I definitely would recommend doing that. And I sent her a short story, just a little bit, a snippet of what I write, um, basically a chapter. Um, and then once she sent back her edits, I was able to understand whether or not we would work well together. Um, and that's exactly what I would recommend. It's not doing the entire book, but probably just a snippet of it and talking with that person first to see whether or not you even like them. Because I mm. have to say, um, particularly with certain publishers, um, you might hate your editor because they're going to rip everything to shreds. And then I would also recommend to not respond for a day or two so you realize that, oh, yeah, they're right. <laughs> you, know, you, you do need to change that. Um, but... But um, yeah, it, at least you should not like them on a personal, like them a bit before you can trust them with your your babies. Yeah, totally get that. All right, so let's talk about publishing. How have you published your books? And um, and I know you you've done a couple things. So why don't you talk about your publishing journey and and what you've learned and what advice you might offer from that process? Okay. Um, my publishing journey, I have published with, uh, with two different publishers. Um, one was different, different press, as you know. Um, one was um, Decadent Publishing, and that was one that caters specifically to romance novels. Very different experiences. Um, the one with the romance publisher was interesting in that Obviously, they had a whole bunch of romance novels, and um, it was great to be a part of that, but I don't feel like I had such a great handheld experience. So now mm-hmm. I am doing the tradition, the, the self-publishing route, and I like self-publishing just because I'm also a control freak, so I can control my, control my, my covers, control the editing, control my release date, control every single aspect of it. Um, I have spoken with a lot of other writers. I I also own a a marketing agency, so for me it's a little bit easier. And I I had to do just as much marketing with every publisher as I have to do with um, on as as as, um, self published. So for me, it makes sense. So a lot of people are surprised by that. I mean, a lot of people think their publisher is going to do their marketing. 
but how has having marketing skills been helpful for you? And if you were depending on a publisher to do your marketing, how do you think things would be different? Well, I think that um, what people people get mad sometimes. They're like, okay, I'm the the publisher's not doing as much marketing as they thought that, that they thought they were going to do. But it's really not fair because at this point in our history and human history, we have social media, and it's crucial, and there's nobody else that's going to do your social media for you. Um, so that is something that's up to you, regardless of whether you're with a big six publisher or a small publisher or a niche publisher or whatever it is, you still have to do social media. You still need to develop your platform. You still need to get out there and make sure that people know you exist, and that's on you no matter who you're with. Um mm-hmm. So that is something that is going to be on every writer these days. Having a marketing agency, I mean, I literally give talks on social media about once every other month. So I understand social media. I know what I'm supposed to do. I don't always do it, but I know what I'm supposed to be doing. So it's a little bit easier for me to do that. those things. Um, yeah. I think that. With the big six publisher, obviously you get the whole prestige of, oh, look at me, I've been published by such and such. And the same thing with the smaller publishers, too. You feel like you feel more validation. And it's true, people still do take you more seriously when you can say, I've been traditionally published. But you lose a whole bunch of that control. So I think people mm-hmm. should know there is a um, there is a trade-off there, too. There's a huge trade-off, yes. You you are giving up your control. Someone else owns the writing that you have just done. So let's talk. Um, let's talk a little bit about for you. What's the best thing to have come out of having your own book? You wanted to be an author for a long time. You made it happen a couple of years ago. How has that changed the game for you? Um, for me, it's it's feeling like I'm living the A life, and I can explain that a little bit. Um, well, so there, there's the A life and the B life. You might have, you might love your job, but it's not doing, it's not fulfilling you. I think that most writers look at writing as the A life. And for me, being able to publish and having all of that out there means that I am living the A life, even while I'm, Wait, um, I'm focusing a lot of life energy on my marketing agency, which for me is the B life. So being a published author and being able to write my romance novels and being published um, is having a taste of that A life. I love that. And you've had a chance to do some speaking about your book and to go to some conferences and to meet other romance novelists. Um, what's that like? Do you you feel like those are your people and you've sort of found your your place? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I've gone to uh, Romance Writers Association. has chapters all over the country. And the D.C. chapter is called the Washington Romance Writers. And they have an annual um, conference in Maryland. So I've gone two years in a row, and I really feel like they are absolutely my people. Um, there's a whole bunch of introverts in a room that give us one glass of wine and we're best friends. So it's just great. I love it. I, I love being able to spend time with writers and talk about writing and ask each other all the random questions about um, small little things that we're all struggling with. So I think that finding a community of writers is probably one of the best things that's come out of this as well. 
What about readers? Have you had a chance to connect with readers and um, and how? What, what's that been like? Yes. Um, I ran a contest to um, be one of the characters in one of my books. And so I ran a contest and um, got a whole bunch of different submissions, and I picked one, and just learning about her and what she thought about my books was absolutely amazing to have someone interact with me about these characters that I'd created and what she thought they should be doing next. It was really eye-opening to see, hear someone about someone in um, Oklahoma and what she thought about my books. Was wow, that's so cool. And do, mm-hmm. you get, do you get reader feedback? Like, How did you get people to participate in the contest? Um, I held contests, and I used Facebook, um, Facebook advertising. I used Facebook um, uh, just going out to my group. Um, I also created a blog tour, so I submitted my contest to a lot of the different bloggers that I had known already um, through some of the advertising or the marketing that I did for my books previously. So So if nobody read your book, do you feel like you would still be doing it? Yes, absolutely. So talk about that. Why Why do you think you write? What is this all about? I write mainly because I have these stories in there and because it makes me feel really happy to be able to write. Um, I mm-hmm. kind of look at time as life energy. Um, and I use, as I mentioned, I have a marketing agency, and I do that to make money, and I do enjoy certain other aspects of that too. But having my books and writing the books is life energy spent doing exactly what I want to do for myself. And whether or not someone else reads it, it's really satisfying for me. I love that. That's so awesome. All right, we've only got a couple of minutes left, and my last question for you is really about giving advice to somebody. If there's somebody who has dreams of writing a novel or a series and they haven't done it because they feel like they have work and they have kids and they have their husband and they just don't have time, um, but they feel like they're living that bee life, what would you tell them? I would definitely say that it can be done. I mean, I didn't start writing. I mean, I've always been a writer, but my saying to myself, I'm going to publish, I'm going to do this for real, um, didn't start until I was married with kids. Um I think that you've got to do what you you've got to do what, what what's going to make you happy first, really. It's kind of like mm-hmm. that whole put your put your own breathing mask on in the airplane first. You've got to take care of you in order to be happy enough to take care of the rest of your family as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just do it. It'll 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 all work out. It'll all work out. Well, you mm-hmm. do a great job of making time for your characters and making time to write. Um, and I think that while that might take some time away from your family, I think it also gives them a happier mom and wife um, for the time that they do have with you. So I think it's a win-win. It is. And I think that them seeing that mommy is taking time to follow her dreams is an absolutely perfect lesson that I want to give my kids, too. Love it. Nicole Pouchet, you can find her books on Amazon. You spell her last name P-O-U-C-H-E-T. Annie's Defiance is her newest, but I know when you read it, you're going to wish you read the other two first. 
Um, so get all of the books in her Elemental Myth series. You can find them on Amazon. Nicole, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. I love it. I appreciate it. So we have 11 new books launching uh, at the Author Incubator this week. Uh, If you would like to learn about our 11 newest authors and how they got their books written and published in 90 days or less, um, please join us for our launch, which is coming up. You can email Angela at the Author Incubator for information about our next launch. We'll get you that link and get you set up to join us. Uh, next Tuesday. Um, You can also check out the Author Incubator on Facebook, and when you head over there, you will find the link and all the information that you need to register for our Inner Author Gratitude event next Tuesday, November 17th. I'm super excited about our 11 newest books from some amazing authors um, Super grateful to Nicole Pouchet for joining us and talking about her Elemental Myth series, something a little bit different for this show. And we'll be back next week, Changing the World, one book at a time. This has been another episode of Book Journeys Radio, where we're changing the world one book at a time. To find out more about how you can get your book written, published, and promoted, visit www.theauthorincubator.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.